0: hey there hi and howdy everybody it's your boy jrg coming back with uh, another episode of the geekdom underground podcast hanging out as always with my boy
1: hey everybody good morning my name is philip hernandez coo here at geekdom and i am pumped to get back to the geekdom underground podcast we have an awesome guest today so joining us today geekdom member chris cook founder and c t o of spring leaf tea which is an artisanal Olive Leaf Tea Company. Um, and I want to make sure that I emphasize that, uh, Chris, he he corrected me when I said CTO because it's not your traditional CTO. It's the CTTEA. Yes, sir. Awesome, yeah. Chris. S- special
0: leaf. Special leaf. Special leaf. Special leaf. Yeah, right? Special leaf. Yes. Special. Leaf. <laughs> is. Dude, it. I knew
1: we would nail it. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's just, we're a little rusty coming back. But Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely. You
2: this is great. Yeah, you
0: know, so I'm just going to, real quick, just yeah. in context, had a cool conversation with you and was like, hey, this guy's super passionate about what he's doing. We need to get him on the podcast. Oh, uh, so that's here
1: awesome. We are. That's yes, awesome. Yes, sir. Glad, glad that that happened. So um, as you all know, Geek Geekdom Underground podcast, we like to keep this real conversational, real chill. Um, so Chris, we want to learn a little bit more about you. So if you would, please, sir, tell us a little bit about where you're from.
2: Okay, so strap in. So Your this cow. is uh, this is 45 years in the making. I'm a uh, a very proud uh, military dependent, so I grew up in uh, a lot of different countries and cultures, and you know those kinds of things. Uh, it's I grew up in an Air Force family, so oh, right I was, on. I was made in Taiwan. Wow! <laughs> then we moved to Japan, um, Austin, San Antonio a couple times, Panama during the invasion of Noriega in uh, the 80s, um, up until 1990. Colorado. Um, you know, while we were in Panama, we traveled a lot throughout Central America because it was pretty cheap to just hop on a cargo plane and, and go on vacation wherever we wanted to. So we went to Guatemala and Ecuador and Wow, Costa Rica. Um, like as a kid? Just yeah, your, I, was, I yeah? was like 12, 13 years old. Wow. You know, so going to the beach every weekend, learning to surf. and Nice. You know, picking coconuts and messing around with iguanas and— finding boa constrictors across the street from your house. Cause you play war in the jungle with your friends. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was not bad. Yeah. yeah. It was not bad at all. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we lived in Alabama a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, we never stayed anywhere longer than like three years growing up. You know? Yeah. So talking to John earlier, you know, I was always the quiet kid, mm-hmm. you know, in school and, and stuff like that because I was always new. You know? Yeah. So I stuck to the back of the room and did my work and I had good grades because I didn't get in trouble and, even when I did, you you never know that it was me because you never knew me to be there in the first place. Yeah, you know. So yeah, senior year, I probably skipped half of it. You know, because I was ready to I was ready to graduate when I was a junior. Yeah, you know, and I just stayed on just to take those core class, those uh, accelerated classes, so I got yeah. credits for college. You know, but I enjoyed. You don't really enjoy it that much when you're when you're a kid because you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. You just like, oh, okay, we're gonna move to, oh, we got we're gonna move to Hawaii. Yeah, we're gonna move to Hawaii, you know? And then the orders fall through like a month before, and you, and you go to Alabama. Like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, what kind of, the, the military is pulling on my heartstrings over here. Yeah. You know, but when you get older, you, you realize what you had and, and what you've seen mm-hmm. uh, with cultures and stuff like that. And then you meet people that have stayed in one place their entire life. Yeah. You know, and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I value how I grew up more so now than I ever did before in the past. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But San Antonio is home. It'll always be home. Uh, I have, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, uh, sister-in-laws, nieces here in, uh, in San Antonio. My mother and father retired. Um, so they're up in Fair Oaks right now. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of family here, you know, uh, being, see, we were here in the eighties. So you know, even before SeaWorld, we lived you know, on the Northwest side. So probably five minutes from where sea is now. And, um, you know, through the relationships that, that my, my folks uh, have, um, you know, back in the past, they, they they have those, those strong relationships with those folks. And, you know, this was always their retirement destination because of that, you know, they live right down, right across the street from friends that they've, they've known for almost 40 years. Wow. That's so interesting that like
1: um they have that kind of experience you had that kind of experience living in all these different
2: places i wonder what it was that that brought him back here i mean look at all the great things that san antonio has to offer yeah you know um they're just endless you know you can it's just so much to do yeah you know um it's not very far from the beach you know you've got fiesta you got the riverwalk You've got different kinds of trails that you can you know, take advantage of. The Alamos here um, now, you see what's going on with the culinary scene and mm-hmm. the tech scene, and you know there's a lot more, a lot more reason to move to, to San Antonio nowadays. Yeah, um, but back in the day was you know standard of living has always been great. You know the weather's always been great. You know, um, so yeah, just a lot of reasons to move here back in the day, but you know even more so now nowadays. Right on. So. Um, when did you plant roots in San Antonio again? So I, I made the choice to move back here on my own accord this time, you know, in the past it was because I had to. Yeah. Um, but this was probably 17, 18 years ago. Oh, right on. Which seems like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, cruising into town, you know, like it was yesterday for the first time in a long time. And, um, I wanted to work at the best restaurant with the best chef, with the best food. So I started working at La Manción del Rio. Oh, really? before the Omni came wow. and, and took over. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, friends like Scott, Chef Scott Cohen, and Isaac Cantu, and Stephen Paprocki, and um, you know those folks are, are, are my, my kindred souls, so to speak. I've Known them forever, and we think the same. We were brought up in the same culture uh, as far as food and, and how a team should be built, mm-hmm. and how it should be sustainable, and sustain itself. Um, so that was when there was like La Rev. Las Canarias, you know, inside the hotel. Mm-hmm. And maybe one or two other restaurants, you know, that were, like, considered, like, fine dining, like, from scratch cooking. Mm-hmm. I mean? um, but now you can find anything yeah. that you're looking for, right? And yeah. it's cool because you can find anything you're looking for, and it's not just there for a year. It's not just there for two years. It's, like, sustainable, like, mm-hmm. you know, three, four. You know, longevity in restaurants is what really makes a good restaurant, you know. Yeah. You you can make it more in 2 years in a in a restaurant, you know. You're you're doing something right.
1: When did you uh, start your journey
2: in the restaurant scene? I got kicked out of my house when I was 17 years old. Right on in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mhm. You know, typical, thought I knew everything. Yeah, I bet there's a story with that, huh? Graduated high school and just wanted to party with my buddies and right. not listen to my folks and uh, and those kinds of things. So, you know, it was it was a blessing in disguise cuz you know i was i didn't know what i wanted to do mm-hmm. um, but i knew that i didn't want to go to a, a four year college and, and waste somebody's money trying to figure it out yeah you know so i actually did go down you know a, kind of a traditional route and mm-hmm. i applied and got accepted to texas a went and m went went and toured the campus and just at that time i was just like nah, this is too for, for me you. it's yeah. too big mm-hmm. i didn't know it all comes back to me not knowing what I wanted to do in life yeah, right, and not wanting to be stuck in a chair for two to three years, taking those core classes and then trying to figure it out the last yeah. year. Yeah. It's not for everybody. I'm not about it, about it like that. Yeah. So I was truthful with myself, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, after that, you know, I, I did uh, apply and got accepted to UCCS, the university of Colorado Colorado Springs. And mm-hmm. I, I lasted like a semester and a half and then I quit. Yeah. And at that time, my folks were getting orders to go on their last assignment, which was back to Japan, um, Sawa, which is where we ended after Taiwan. You know, so they're going back to the same base, right? Mm-hmm. And I, have, I had the opportunity to go back with them. They wanted me; they they asked me if I wanted to go. Um, at that time, we had a better relationship after me being kicked out. Yeah, know, yeah. So, so this a little bit later, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. You know, a year or so. But um, I was like, no, I, I got to figure this out, and and if I do that. I don't know that I'm going to be on the path that I, I want to be yeah, on. Yeah, so, I know exactly
1: what you're talking about. So I, I stayed yeah. in
2: Colorado, you know, and mm-hmm. before they left, they said, you know, well, when you figure out what you want to do, let us know, and we'll talk to you about, you know, how to pay for it and stuff, you know. So um, at that time, I was cooking at a Red Robin, uh, and I was cooking at— uh, Some of those fries, those endless fries? Endless fries <laughs> and the seasoning, the steak fries and the seasoning and the different kinds of burgers and— you know, it was a group of like eight of us, you know, that ran that, that Red Robin right there um, by the Air Force Academy. I actually, actually graduated uh, high school on the Air Force Academy in Colorado. Oh, wow. Springs. And there's a Red Robin right down the road, and mm-hmm. that's where we were cooking at, you know. And I, I just love, I just started to fall in love with food. I would. I grew up kind of working in hotels and in restaurants, washing dishes. And, yeah. And, and doing those kinds of like things. Like in high
1: school and stuff?
2: And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, uh, you know, I ran the, the stewarding department at a Marriott in Colorado Springs for a year or so. And that's when I started to pick up a knife, uh, and start, you know, helping them prep for brunches. And they had a contract with pizza hut. So they'd put me on the the pizza line or whatever. It was just like, you make the pizzas and you send it through the conveyor belt kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I had a a lot of responsibility at a young age uh, just because when you're in restaurants and hotels and stuff, if you show responsibility and you show passion and you show a positive attitude, they'll keep giving you more. Yeah. They mm-hmm. will. You know? Yeah.
1: It's such a revolving door in some of those restaurant jobs that yeah. like, if you show initiative that you want to stay, yeah. they want to keep, they want to hold on. I was, I, I went through that restaurant journey very similarly yeah. and I
2: have fond memories just like that. So you got, you got like a hospitality. Yeah. You got hospitality in your soul. Like you, mm-hmm. you want to help people and you want to see you know, them smile mm-hmm. and you want to nourish them. And you want that to be an experience, mm-hmm. for them. you know? So that's where it kind of was, you know, ingrained in me, you know, working at, uh, those hotels and mm-hmm. in that restaurant. So when they asked me like, you know, what you can find a school, you know, if you, if you figure out what you want to do and, and kind of like a trade school, you can focus on your craft of what you want to do in life, you know, just be sure that that's what you want to do. Right. Um, so yeah, I was like, Chef, I want to work with food. I know I can make money at it. Yeah. This is like, I graduated high school in 95, so this is like 96, yeah. 97, 98. And at that time, you know, being a chef didn't have all the the glamour. And glam like it does yeah. now. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't on like Food Network. Yeah, celebrity and, chef wasn't a yeah. thing. No cell phones, no mm-hmm. Instagram, none of yeah. that, you know. So I knew that I could make something out of it, you know, because yeah. I just had to show love and passion and, and, and commitment. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a community college in Colorado Springs, still there at the base of Pikes Peak called Pikes Peak Community College. I went there and I took all the credits that I could, no matter what semester, summer, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and did an associates in a year and a half and then stayed in Colorado uh, for another year or so and, you know, worked at the Broadmoor. It's a five-star, five-diamond hotel there and wow, learned the different kinds of, of cuisine because there was like, at that time, there was like six, five or six different kinds of concepts, different. Restaurants that you could go to all on the same property of the hotel, you know, not to mention beautiful landscaped golf courses. And they had like a heated pond in the middle of it in (laughs) the back so it wouldn't freeze over during the summertime or the wintertime. Um, used to have their own ski lift and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a destination, (laughs) destination, yeah, city for sure. Yeah, at that time, there was only like 30 or 35 five diamond, five star hotels in the world. Know, oh, wow. That was one of them. Now there's, That's crazy. Now there's a lot more. What a, what a shift from like
1: Red Robin, you know, it's almost like just kicking it with your friends yeah. to like that kind of a Your a eyes get big real quick. Yeah. And, and, and then you were, by that time, you're a trained chef. You're, like you went through schooling and yeah, kind of knew what you were doing a little
2: bit more. I really found that I learned more by working at Red Robin and working at those mm-hmm. hotels, you know, hands-on yep. kinds of things than I, I did going to that school because yeah. they, they teach you the basics, right? They mm. teach you how to saute, how to braise, mm-hmm. how to marinate, like the theory, brine, all that stuff, you know, different kinds of food, proteins, vegetables, whatnot. But um, I learned more about costing and, you know, it really opened up my eyes as to what a true chef is. And it's not just being a great cook. Yeah. It's being a great leader. Yeah.
1: The quarterback, the coach, like everything. You're, you're having to yeah. manage everybody, delegate. Yeah. man, that's awesome.
2: You're a puppet master, right? Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're just dictating, you know, through your team, Mm -hmm. what things need to happen based on what time it is to get that ultimately that, that one goal accomplished, which is to have a great service. Yeah. Um, for lunch, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, depending on what kind of place you work at. Um, so yeah, it's, I wasn't classically trained. Um, but the, that hotel, the Broadmoor, it really opened up my eyes as to all the different avenues that you mm-hmm. could take this, you know, you didn't have to be just a, a short order cook. Mm-hmm. You could be a, you know, a garbage chef. You could be a saucier chef. You could be an entremetier chef. You could be, um, someone that just does proteins all day, every day, you know, that's the French brigade kind of cooking, you know? Um, so being there for a couple of years, I made my rounds, you know, into the different departments and worked with the different uh, teams working at the, the you know, prospective restaurants were yeah. on property. So wasn't classically trained, you know, by any means going there or working there, but at the at the end of my tenure there, I, I knew kind of that I was gonna be a chef and that I was gonna do this for the rest of my life. I was gonna own my own restaurant one day, or I would be in food and beverage, yeah. in one way, shape, or form. Sure. Yep. Did you end up owning a restaurant? Opening a restaurant? Opening many. Really? O- owning no. Okay. No, no just helping friends um, and teams open and close. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Very. A uh, lot of hours. You know, a lot of commitment. It uh, you know, it definitely gives you more of a well-rounded, you know, experience uh, as a chef if you're able to open up a restaurant and, you know, not to say closing a restaurant is bad, but you definitely, you learn something for sure. Mm -hmm. I think in life, it's not, it's not something like, um, you know, that you lose something or that you um, miss the ball on something. It's, it's, those are always opportunities to learn and how not to repeat Yeah, for sure. Um, So you you can teach people, you know, how to, how to do certain things so they don't follow the same path that you did. Um, But yeah, I I just think, especially doing what I'm doing now, you know, you hear a lot more no than you do yes. Yeah. But growing up in kitchens, um, doing what I'm doing now, it, it definitely, it helps because you're, you're so used to the demand of everything and how fast paced it is and needing what you need right then and there. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're sitting in the front of the house having a meal and five minutes goes by, well, you know, in the kitchen, it's like one minute. It's like two minutes. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just so fast paced back there that it goes, it it seems to go by very quickly. Yeah. So doing what I'm doing now with with my tea business, uh, it's, it's never no. It's, it's sometimes now's just not the right time. Yeah. And what when I'm, when I'm, when I'm referring to is, you know, cold calling people to say, Hey, do you have a tea that you sell or do you have beverages that you sell? And oh, what are they? And do you have a refrigerator? And how do you display? And, you know, well, this is what we're doing. And this is, this is the whole concept and the premise behind the, the company, you know, and um, I'm blessed and fortunate to get a lot of yeses, but I do get no's and, you know, now's not the right time kind of thing. But no matter what they say, if it's not a yes, in my eyes, it's a, just not right now. Yeah, you know. So you put them kind of, you know, in the back a little bit, and yeah. you say, "Okay, well, I'm going to touch base with you in a month.
1: Yeah, next quarter or something like that. Like you'll mm-hmm.
2: you'll still keep in touch with them. Hey, man, you got something great, and you need to share it with the world. You got to keep, yeah, keep keep it on, yeah, you know? um, because they're going to know whether they like it or not. They're going to learn about it whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know? so I can edu- I can educate you over the phone. Or I can come in person and do some tastings with you and your staff if you want. Mm-hmm. But you're going to know about what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's talk about that. So we talked about your journey um, growing up all over the world and um, being exposed to all different cultures. And you had a lot of like uh, being the new guy and having to, I'm I'm sure that that came with a lot of uh, learning how to adapt and, you know, Adapt to the new normal, or these new yeah. friends, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so let's talk about um, where Special Leaf came from. How did how did that idea come about? And
2: so I was, what was that like I was the chef at the Emily Morgan for almost three years, and um, while I was there, I was getting a lot of inquiries from people on, uh, you know, how I could help their businesses with staffing, or menu development, or costings, or whatever it might be, everything that, you know, relates to a restaurant. So I started working with, you know, some other, other folks and helping their concepts. And one of the ones that needed some help was uh, an olive orchard uh, called Sandy Oaks in Elmendorf, Texas, probably 25 miles from us towards Corpus Christi. You, you never know. You can see the trees from the from the highway, mm-hmm. but you would never know that it's there, you know, if you're, you know, even from that area, you know. Really? It's just so, like over here, you know, around <laughs> about kind of thing. And then the rest of the town is like over there. Yeah. You know, so there's this big property with all these olive trees growing um, just out of the blue, just in the middle of this, you know, kind of small town. Yeah. You know. And it's a working olive farm or? It was at that time. It's uh-huh. no longer. The owner has passed, unfortunately. Um, but she was a visionary ahead of her time, mm-hmm. um, you know, knowing that, there's a need for for great extra virgin olive oil, and hey, why not do it in Texas? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just you have to figure things out. You know, there's you can find anything in Texas as long you just got to look for it. Yeah, I'm serious. Like if you think that you know certain things don't grow here, you're wrong. Yeah, look into mm-hmm. it. I shit you not.
1: Yeah, especially being in San Antonio, you drive an hour in any direction, and it's totally different soil, different climate, yeah. all that stuff.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So this was this was about eight years ago, right? And I was helping her with her infrastructure, you know, so Mm -hmm. it was like POS system and inventory and staffing. And I was doing dinners out there on a monthly basis where you could, we could showcase olive oil and olives from a particular region. Uh, And then I would cook those kinds of cuisines and pair them with wines that would come from that region as well. We used to call them passport series dinners. Mm. So we did that. Um, You know, of course I'd help with the harvest every year help with pruning, you know, because that's important too, to make sure that you get the optimal olives at the time of harvest, um, grew vegetables out there, develop products, all those kinds of things. And there's a little cafe there, you know, so we do, uh, lunch and brunch every week and they were making, they were already making this tea out there. You know, there, there was a lady named Maria that she would pick the leaves. She would help with the harvest she would clean her house if she needed to she would help with that i mean she was just like a jack of all trades right but she was making this tea and she'd make it like a you know twice a week and we'd serve it in like a 12 ounce glass in the cafe for like two bucks and i'd never seen it before but i started making it you know because she was doing other things and whatever i wanted to learn i wanted to Mm -hmm. see you see something new in the kitchen you're like
0: what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, you know I
2: mean, hey, I want to know, mm-hmm. you know. So that was my, you know, first exposure to olive leaf tea. Yeah, you know, eight years ago, and after tasting it and seeing how it's made, and then thought to myself, well, this can't be the only place that makes this stuff. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. has to be a, you know, a history of some sort, you know, that surrounds it. Come to find out, yeah, there's like a four thousand year old history. Really, you know, that dates back to like. Uh, Depending on what you read, it'll say, you know, ancient Greece. It'll say ancient Egypt, you know, but heavily, predominantly, you know, a major area of the world where they grow olives. So they were making these teas or or DT in a hot form to treat uh, different kinds of ailments that you would have. Um, It was even used like, uh, you know, in the jungles, not to mention Panama, but uh, malaria was very common when they were building the Panama Canal with theodore roosevelt and in his in his guys and they would use tea to to treat malaria well before that in ancient greece and egypt they would use it to to treat like nausea and indigestion stomach pain uh those kinds of things wow but um you know eight years ago i i saw how how big this could be and mm-hmm. how how needed it is you know because you know cooking I I never wanted to um, add things to a dish or a center of the plate kind of protein, whatever. I didn't want to add ingredients that didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. I wanted, I wanted the food to speak for itself. So, you know, when I'm making these there, it's all natural stuff. You know, it's all, you know, uh, non adulterated. There's, there's no chemicals, um, no unnatural, you know, agents uh, to these teas. And, you know, I just knew that I would be doing this one day. You know, yeah. At that time, I wasn't ready. You know, yeah, I, yeah. At that time, I had a, a four-year-old. You know, I'd been married for four years. Um, you know, you got bills to pay, and you got a you know slightly you know young child, and you don't want to necessarily take a huge risk to where you know you're messing with that too much. So I put it on the back burner. But um, over the past three and a quarter years, this is all I've been doing really. And I'll, I'll pick up odd things here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a nonprofit here in San Antonio called the Chef Cooperatives. We give back to um, food and beverage folks, farmers, and artisans through pop up events and stuff like that, which keeps me semi busy. And then through the cooperative, there's always somebody that needs help with something. You know? Yeah. So I'm still doing some consulting and those kinds of things on top of maintaining the business, you know, with production and social media and the website and, you know, talking to you fine folks yeah. you know, today. Um, but yeah, for three years, this has been, you know, the main focus. Wow. So can I see it? Yeah. I just brought one today. This is called Heavenly Hibiscus. Heavenly Hibiscus. It's our first no sugar added uh, hibiscus, mint, and dried blueberry. So the the benefits behind these teas uh, you're going to find are the same as a good extra virgin olive oil, um, a good olive leaf extract supplement pill. It's in, it's in a pill. It's encapsulated um, ground up olive leaf. That's all it is. And then um, a good Mediterranean diet, which is probably something that everybody can gravitate towards and, and knows about and has heard about, you know, as far yeah. as, you know, clean eating and living, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, know, clean seasonal vegetables and, you know, clean proteins, especially seafood, you know, yeah. because you talk about Mediterranean, you know, that's what's predominantly there in, in most of those regions is, you know, seafood, and mm-hmm. the abundance of it. So those kinds of things help with um, all the ailments that you're going to find associated with, with the, the teas, you know, yeah. so, you know, a lot of antioxidants, um, you know, the leaves are antiviral, so they're going to help, you know, build your immune system and keep it stable. Mm -hmm. which is super important right now yeah you know um inflammation type 2 diabetes cholesterol weight management cognitive function um high blood pressure hypertension uh those kinds of things the um there's compounds in the leaves that actually react with your your stomach uh, acids which in turn um it boosts your metabolism so they say that it's got naturally energizing capabilities as well so you start going down a rabbit hole yeah like this and you just like your eyes open up and you're like you just ask yourself like why why hasn't anybody done this before you know this is this is too good to not share with the world yeah you know so that's what that's what i'm here for
1: that's awesome. Yeah, it really is a special leaf. Yep. It's got Man, all it words out
0: of my mouth. I was yeah. just about to say that. I
1: mean, yeah, because I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, wow, what a special thing to, to be able to have all those benefits. You had mentioned that, um, you know, this was – you had a revelation when you first saw this happening and you started making this to your own, but, um, but you pumped the brakes on it because you had the kiddo at the time and it just wasn't the right time. You yeah. put it on the back burner. That's a um, – I can imagine that that's a hard decision because you feel so passionate about it, you have the vision, but you know where your priorities lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why you would make that decision. Then, at what point did you decide that like
2: this is my time, this is the time to do it? You just gotta dive in, brother. That's it. You gotta dive in. I'm not. I'm not trying to sit here and tell y'all that it's all, it's all gravy right now. Yeah. As far as you know, money rolling and stuff like that, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. But. If you believe in what you do and you have a great product and it tastes good and you've got proof of concept, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and it serves a purpose, then stick with it. Yeah, it'll all work out. You know, I've got a lot of advice from not only people in the beverage industry, um, but friends that have their own businesses. And they say, Chris, if you don't have three to five years to struggle, to claw, to fight to give it all then don't do it don't do it mm-hmm. because that's what's going to take yeah so here we are a little over three years in and we're making waves um we're uh we're we're I, I, all, I all i try to do every day is try to make today better than yesterday yeah there it is that's, that's all how you I can do, do. Mm-hmm. that's all i can mm-hmm. do and you blink and here we are three three plus years in mm-hmm. you know i mean i remember the day um that I, I made this decision to like really go for it. You know, I'm, it's like anybody, you, you start in your kitchen, you move to your garage and then you move to, you know, something that's legal, you know? So um, that's what I did. You know, I still to this day make every single bottle by hand. You know, I have a, I have a sales rep that does great things for me. Um, my wife helps me with the, the website, social media, other things that, I, you know, she's, she's the tech techie. In the mm-hmm. family, you know, I'm not from that, you know, I'm a chef, I'm a cook, I'm a grunt kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. so I I surround myself with good people that know how to do things that I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'm not strong at, you know, so just knowing that and, you know, just believing in it, you know, and and not giving up and like we were talking before John, you know, you're, you're just you're wanting those warm introductions from people to get you to that person and mm-hmm. that conversation with that person, it will lead to somebody else and you have a conversation with them. And then you just, you have to break through the mold of, of how you came up and what you're used to and realize that if you don't, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. You got to you know? get a
0: little uncomfortable sometimes.
2: You do. Mm-hmm. You do. And I, I think that's good for your character. I think that's good. Uh, you know, as far as who you are as a person, mm-hmm. it makes you a better person. I think it's like growing up in different cultures. It, it make it it it, it 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 makes me look at things differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, and not so one sided. Yeah, you got multiple lenses to look through. Yeah. So like nowadays, you know, when I see somebody acting a certain way, I ask myself like, hmm, how did they grow up? Mm-hmm. How were they raised? Mm-hmm. And you don't just look at the action. You look at you know what led them to that action. Yeah. That train of thought. Right. Yeah. To think that like. This activity
1: is okay or acceptable or right or something like that. Yeah, there's
2: always there's always a backstory
1: to it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, both of your parents served. No, just my father. Just your father. Yeah. Um, was did you have any
2: kind of culinary exposure growing up? Like, did your parents cook or small? Um, you know, but I I was kind of always in the kitchen doing something. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember I remember more cooking with my grandmother. Um, you know, than, than any really anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I help my mom here and there, but I really remember, you know, cooking with her because every time we were there, it was an extravaganza. You know, she was <laughs> in the kitchen for for two to three days, and everything came out at once. Mm-hmm. It was all flavored, you know, dead on. Yeah, you know the the uh, mac and cheese from one. Holiday to the next, it was always the same. You know, the recipes were the same and consistent. The kitchen was clean and organized, and it was. I just remember those experiences, you know, more than anything. But I think that you know, I really just fell in love with it because of cooking with friends Mm -hmm. and knowing that I better figure out something to do with my life. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was almost like love and anxiety mixed in you know this crazy concoction of what am I going to do with my life you know because I I knew that I had to survive yeah you know what I mean like you can't it's not just tacos and beer every day yeah it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. you know and if I want to be somebody and, and do great things then I'm gonna have to figure out something to do and yeah it was it was that really you know so i guess it was a combination of you know a little cooking and growing up with family members and stuff like that at a young age and then finally being on my own when i was you know 17 mm-hmm. cooking with friends and realizing I, I can do this you know you can make money at this mm-hmm.
0: you know? that's so super you, cool though mm-hmm. that like i just translated into
2: like your life right yeah. finding that passion it's
0: also something that you share with someone that's like a pretty intimate right like mm-hmm. let's make a meal together you know like friends super it intimate brings people together you know lifelong memories come from that that's stuff
2: that's lost these days you know like i was eating a salad yesterday and I was standing up and I was watching my wife eat a salad and she was standing up i was like we need to let's sit down mm-hmm. let's just decompress and not feel rushed yeah you know it's that's the american way man mm-hmm. you know you go overseas especially in the mediterranean area you know, they take siestas and like two hour lunches, and you know they're drinking wine, and and it's like it's just the pace of life. Yeah, you know, it, does it really need to be like that?
1: Yeah, that sounds so much more present mm-hmm. in that other way. When like, because the like body language of eating standing up is that like you're ready for the next thing. Yeah, you're not so much appreciating what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, you know. I think something really interesting that you said, um, I think a lot of times whenever you you talk about food or your interest in food or fond memories of food, like when you mentioned your grandmother's cooking, a lot of times the first thing you think of is like how great the food was, like everything was delicious. But I think it's really interesting how the thing that you gravitate towards was not only that the food was delicious, but also that it was consistent and the whole operation side of it on that like, you know... as Being a chef or somebody who cooks, it's not it's not by mistake or by accident that everything comes out when it's supposed to and everything's hot when it when it comes out. And so I think that's interesting that you bring that up. That you know, with your grandmother's cooking, that inspired you. And you also mentioned that um, when you talked about um, moving, making that shift in the restaurant industry and going to that like five diamond that kind of restaurant, that fine dining where um, it's not so uh, process driven. It's more so like sometimes things are going to come that you're not expecting and you need that leadership role in there to really make it into a process and say that like, hey, this is when we snap into this to make sure everything goes into place. Um, What was it about uh, or how did you make that shift from like going from being in a restaurant and wanting to own a restaurant to like, now I want to make a product that I'm going to sell and
2: serve. It It's all the hospitality in my soul. It's wanting to share this uh, with as many pe- people as I possibly can because of the benefits behind it. And knowing that what you have on your shelves these days in supermarkets and stores like that is not sustainable for you to be consuming on a daily basis. Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm. There's so many beverages out there that have unnatural ingredients in them. Yeah that aren't good for you long term. That's yeah, that's really interesting.
1: So your your impact and your reach changes because as a chef, when you're in, I think what you're saying is like when you're a chef at a restaurant, your impact and reach is whoever comes into these four walls. But as a chef with a product like this, bigger your, platform. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. share your your gift with everybody. Yeah, that's that's really interesting.
2: So what's even more interesting is that we're not stopping there, right? We you know, I mentioned the the chef cooperatives before and what, um, you know, Steven Paprocki and Isaac Cantu and myself aimed to do with that was let's get out of the hotel and help in other ways in the community. And how can we do that with our skill sets, right? So that's why we formed that group more than eight years ago. So with this, with Special Leaf, I have a platform to continue that mm-hmm. through philanthropy and the first thing that I told John and I told Brooke when I, I signed up to be a member at Geekdom was I'm not talking to you because I just want to sell you tea for Geekdom members to buy. I'm not talking to you um, you know, to get anywhere with this um, just one-sided. Like I want to know how I can help. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you need tea for any event. I want to know if I can support whoever you guys are supporting with a donation, or a talk or a, a seminar, education, um, how can I give back? You know, mm-hmm. so with Special Leaf, what we're going to do, and we've already started, is, you know, we'll give proceeds back to, you know, area nonprofits that are doing research with, you know, some of the things that the teas help with, you know. If there's a, a smaller nonprofit out there that's doing research on diabetes or inflammation or foods that help with inflammation, or beverages that help help with inflammation um we want to support those folks you know Mm -hmm. um right now i'm consulting for a brewery down the road from my house in universal city called gather brewing it's right there across from randolph if you haven't been you go check it out um so what we've done even only being open for a couple of months we've created a beer uh, an ipa an indian pale ale with one of my teas so a combination of tea and beer and we sold, and half the proceeds that we make from it, we're gonna go cut a check and go knock on a door in the neighborhood and, and present it to him.
0: Wow, that's cool.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Anytime beer can do good for the community, I'm there.
2: <laughs> the the beer was called Community. Hey, I you love it.
0: you
1: love that. Uh, that puns. wasn't mine. I can't. The, I the can't. Tea yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't take that one. That wasn't mine. <laughs> but still. You yeah. love, I and I love it too. You got to celebrate those puns. Yeah, that's a M- good that's one. Mike and Rachel. They did, they did that one. <laughs> that's but, awesome.
2: Um, it's stuff like that. It's not yeah. just settling on having a product and trying to make money off of it. It's yeah. like how, how can I create a brand mm-hmm. and a story? You know, I just I was talking to a guy that um, he deals with uh, micro scripts. That's all he does is. He talks about microscripts. He's a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, Bill Schley? Bill Schley. I know mm-hmm. Bill. You know Bill? I know Bill real well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've met. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. How yeah. important it is to have. Mm-hmm. People don't remember what they hear, they remember what, what they can repeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. If the
0: glove don't fit, they must, must have have quit. quit. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah.
2: What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. You know, it's those those three words to a sentence kinds mm-hmm. of scripts that signify who you are as a brand to resonate with the consumer Mm -hmm. and it just you know my eyes got open even larger from just having a 30 45 minute conversation with this guy Mm -hmm. he got turned on I got turned on to him by Graham Mm -hmm. and I I want to explore that option you know because this isn't just a tea it's a brand Mm -hmm. it's a lifestyle it's you know philanthropy it's you know, kind of like the Tom shoes of, of tea. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to give back, you know, in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, what do they
0: call it? It's like conscious capitalism, something like there's a book about it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. And I know it's very popular, you know, with companies yeah. and things like that. You know, they they think that they have to do it, you know, but I, I think you do. I think you must, Yeah. you know.
0: Especially when you have a product that actually can... Helps people. M- yeah,
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. You got to, like, carry it on even further than just... You know, liquid to lips. It's got to be more than that. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So that's what that's what we're aiming to do, and we'll, we're we're getting there. Yeah. You know, every day.
1: So you've uh, we've we've talked a lot about what got you here, and um, and we all know that the entrepreneurial journey is not all sunshine and rainbows and it's not really who told you that (laughs) (laughs) and it's not all a linear path that's Uh. like and it's also um hardly ever what you thought it was going to be sure um so are there any challenges that come to mind that like um that were really difficult that um you were able to get through
2: that you can talk about the recipe development you know you you can't trademark a recipe you know, when it comes to beverages and stuff like that, there certain things that you can um, that can become proprietary, you know. So we're going to explore that, you know, in, in a little bit here. But uh, the development of these flavors has been um, a challenge mm-hmm. uh, because there's a natural astringency that the leaf has when you steep it by itself with, with good water. Anybody talks to you about tea, it's all about steep time and, and water. Really? So Yeah, we're reverse osmosis. We're RO water. You know, our steep time is down to a science. Um, But to balance out the natural astringency um, without adding things that don't need to be there, you know, it was a challenge with, Mm -hmm. you know, maintaining that integrity that you started off with throughout the whole process, right? That word really quickly, astringency? Astringency. What is that? It's like, it means the same thing as like bitter. Oh, okay, mm. so I got there's, you. There's a bitterness, yeah, that comes through when you steep these leaves by themselves. So, so the flavor kind of masks that a little bit. It it balances it balances it out. Okay. Yeah. There's some cultures that they appreciate that astringency, that bitterness, because they know that they're getting the benefits. That those are the benefits shining through. Okay? Gotcha. And what it is is those the compounds that are in the leaves. That's what they give off when they when they steep. Mm. You know, so it's very different than a regular. Gentle tea leaf mm-hmm. in that it's the leaf from a tree, so it's much more earthy and more herbaceous, and it's not—it's um, just hardier. Yeah, you know. Um, so, the recipe development um, is a challenge, and uh, I think I got it down to know that you know these uh, the teas now and the teas in the future and whatever else we do, you know the uh, they really complement um, hardier flavors that, mm-hmm. that you add to them. So. You know, with this one, the hibiscus, the mint, the dried blueberry, those are hearty flavors, right? Mm-hmm. And they all serve a purpose, too. So I, I want to do that. I want the ingredients that are added to also serve a purpose and kind of help just the same as the leaf does, the mm-hmm. leaf, you know, so um, that was a challenge at first. And then always, no matter how old we are, it's going to be education. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, te- yeah. teaching people the way of, of what this is, how it came about and and all that stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, just like going into a restaurant, you're a server, you know, you're going to know what tables to spend more time at Mm -hmm. and which ones to not, Mm -hmm. you know? So as long as we can walk that line of of educating the right way Mm -hmm. and engaging the right way to whereas maybe you didn't want to know about this two minutes ago, but because how we're approaching you and how we deliver our message, and maybe it's because of our microscript, Hey, you might change your mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, I I personally I don't like olives. I, I that's not something that I I've tried them. I love food and love restaurants. This and is totally different though because it's, it's not the olive; it's the leaf. See that's the it's thing. it's crazy. That and I'm gonna changing. sit here. I'll, yeah,
0: I was gonna say when Brooke told me like, "Hey, it's olive leaf mm-hmm. tea," I was like, "I don't know." I despise olives. Yeah, it's like I, one of the one, one things that I hate the most. Mm-hmm. But then she was like, no, sir, it's really good. Try it. And so she poured me some, and I was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. And the also just the way you – I'm sure you were talking to her about it. Like, Brooke's all about, like, just passion, right? Yeah. Like you're passionately talking. She was like, I think this is really cool, mm-hmm. which also piqued my interest. And I was like, okay. And so tasting it, and, oh, this is actually really delicious. This guy's super passionate has a cool mission, and this is obviously really good for you. I was all about it.
1: Yeah. I think it helps to have that credibility of, like – Thirty five hundred years of of people
2: been doing this, you just have, just not around you, or you just yeah. don't know it. You know what I mean? Like we have strong roots. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a there's strong roots there already. There's a good foundation mm-hmm. already, and we just have to water it the right way, yeah, in order to grow the right way. Yeah, that's
0: all.
1: You know, uh, something really cool about I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. Me too. Um, something really cool is that like I, I when you were talking about your. uh, like, you being kicked out of the house and um, going into the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in the restaurant industry as well, and I found that, like, when I was in that industry, it was, I've been in front of house and back of house, and especially in the back of house, it's just, a for me anyway, it was a group of misfits, a group of, mm-hmm. you know, all different backgrounds, and I did find that um, I wasn't the only one that, Entered a restaurant or the restaurant industry on probably not my best day or probably not. I didn't have everything figured out, but the restaurant industry, the service industry was there to catch me and kind of light that fire under me to to show that like it. You may not be in your best moment right now, but that shift to going into the restaurant industry, that was my decision. That was something that I was able to own and. So I feel like we have a similarity there in that, like with you up until that moment of you getting kicked out and you having to make a decision on what I'm going to have to do up until there, everything was decided for you. Like from where you're going to go to school and who's going to be your friends and what foods you're going to eat, the culture you're going to live in. Um, And so that's super cool that like you found that out um, and then you were able to really hone in on like, I want to be a chef. And then not only do I want to be a chef, but now I have discovered this greatness and I want to get that out, yep. you know, to the public. So really awesome story. I appreciate you sharing. Um, I do want to ask, so I just as we wrap up, a question that I ask everybody that comes on here is if you can think back to a time in your life that um, everything wasn't going great. And maybe this is when you're 17 years old and trying to apply to different restaurants, hoping that you get in. Or maybe this is when... You know, you have that moment where you're looking at your four-year-old and your life situation, and you're just like, "I have this great idea, but I can't do it right now." Mm-hmm. If you think about those times, what advice would you give other Chris Cooks in that
2: in that time, or what advice do you wish you would have gotten? Don't give up. Surround yourself with smart people. Break out of your comfort zone, and start doing things that you that you you're advised to do, um, even though you don't feel comfortable doing it yeah learn mm-hmm. read you know books of people that you admire or aspire to be, or you know um, if they're giving you advice and they have a book, read it. Yeah, you know, take the time um, and, and always try to make today better than yesterday. That's I all that. I can say yeah, that's that's my favorite to try and try and
1: make today better than yesterday. you know we uh, we find that a lot with our entrepreneurs that like, uh, some some themes and like one of those themes is to surround yourself with good people and, you know, have your own personal board. Sounds like you've done that. And it's really Many, been helpful.
2: You know, when you were growing up, you have, you know, this group of friends. Right. And you know that a good portion of those friends, if you were to go away and come back 15, 20 years later, you know, they're going to be doing the same stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. They're never going to they're never going to get out of, of where they are um, for whatever reason. But the other portion, percentage of those friends, they have dreams and aspirations or going to college and they're you know, they're pushing themselves and they, they want to get a master's and they want to go to this college. They want to be this person in this career field and stuff like that. Those are the people that you want to be around mm-hmm. because they're going to instill in you what you're looking for. They're going to instill in you who you want to be. Mm-hmm. They're going to help you along the way so you won't feel alone. You know, yeah. and then maybe you can go back and talk to those folks, those knuckleheads that aren't doing anything, and say, "What do you really want to do? Yeah, do you want to be doing this for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. This will always be here. That that whatever you're doing right now that's not getting you from point A to point B, and you feel like you know you're stuck and you're living paycheck to paycheck. What do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you have that that group of people, you know, you're better off, and you're yeah. you're going to get to where you want to get to. Um, The
1: right way yeah well awesome i've really enjoyed this thank you so much uh for doing this with us and for sharing your story um i can't wait to have some of this tea um and mr jrg sir if you would take us home
0: Absolutely! Thank you so much to our guest Chris Cook for hanging out with us today. You know we took some time off, but we're back at it in the studio underground. Uh, Love it, love it. So, how do people learn more about Special Leaf? Do you have social media, website? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, Facebook Special Leaf, uh, Instagram Special Leaf Co. Um, Website is www.specialleaf.com, and my phone number's there. My phone's always on. You can call me anytime. Right on. I love to talk awesome stuff thank you
0: thank you everyone for listening and tuning in and we'll see y'all next week thanks y'all
2: bye everybody